Welcome to Sermon Audio from King Street Church, where it's our purpose to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. For more information about our church, please visit our website at kingstreetchurch.com. Let's look today at James chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, where we see how wicked sin of partiality is. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are, being, are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So, you know, we've been going through the book of James. And today, as we already have, we're resting our eyes here in in chapter two. Last week, we saw the wickedness of an assembly's hypocrisy and God's heart for his people. As in how he does not show favoritism but he even exalts the poor. Today in James, we'll see him double down on the sinfulness of partiality in verses eight through 13. James is clear that it is sinful, very sinful. And today I want to show you in this text how he shows us two things. He shows us That the sin of partiality is wicked. And he tells us why. And second, that in Christ we have the freedom now to speak and act mercifully. When James writes this letter, this whole letter, this book of James that we look at, he seems to be focused on teaching believers how to think and act. He uses words like, Consider when telling us how to think during trials or telling us to pray when lacking wisdom. He warns us about doubt. He teaches us to be doers of God's word, to practice religion and not be like the world. And that's and that's all just in the first chapter. You will see wisdom all over this book in regards to our minds, regards to our tongue even in regards to our actions. So today is no different. Today, starting in verse 8, James begins to tell us just how wicked the sin of partiality is. Let's look together. I'll read it again. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. Verse 9. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted 
by the law as transgressors. Ten, for whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. James is not going to allow any type of confusion to come between us understanding how wicked this is. He tells us exactly why this sin of partiality is wicked. We are commanded to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Loving our neighbor is never a little command. He tells us in verse eight that by loving our neighbors, we fulfill the whole law. Think about that. The whole law. There's so much confusion in regards to how to interact with the law. Like, is it is it is it gone? Is it is it here? What do we do today? Today, we can look at God's word and know this by loving our neighbor as ourselves. We fulfill the whole law. If we're fulfilling the law, there is no reason whatsoever to know if we're doing well before God. There's no confusion. When we're loving our neighbor as ourselves, we can know that we are doing well. Doubt is a very troubling thing and doubt flourishes when disobedience is present. It's very rare that one would struggle with with doubting God's word or or doubting our obedience when we're actually pursuing his word and actually obeying. When sinning or breaking the law is happening, the logical thought in your mind is fear and shame before God, not you are doing well. The sin of partiality is the exact opposite of loving your neighbor. But the question can be, how do we know that loving our neighbor is fulfilling the whole law? Well, if James telling us isn't good enough. How about Paul? I'll read to you Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul even uses the same example That James does. 10 and 11 or through 10. But he's also showing us that loving our neighbors as yourselves sums up all of the commandments. So when you think of summing up, it's the complete package. If you wanted to describe it, he says in uh, verse nine. And if there are any other commandments, so any other ones. Other outside of the ones he's already listed, any other ones, you name it, sum them all up in loving your neighbor as yourself. So even there's no stealing, 
no adultery, no murder, etc. You stand just as guilty for not loving your neighbor. Pick your poison. And all of them will result in you not loving your neighbor as yourself. So let's see this again. Let's see this again, because sometimes, you know, James, we have James, but then we had what Paul just said. But how about uh, the preaching from our Lord Jesus in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40? And he, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is this is beautiful. Uh, verse 40 on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Everything we've seen from Genesis to Malachi. Can be held up. By loving the Lord. Loving your neighbor as yourself. We've already said that loving your neighbor as yourself sums up all of the commandments. But do you see it? The sin of partiality is so wicked, not just because it's a bad thing that you could just simply say, ah, my bad and, and move on. It breaks the whole law. Loving your neighbor is one of the pillars One of the two pillars that holds everything together, that holds the house up. If we break this house, we break those pillars, that whole house will crumble. My friends, beloved, let us not allow this truth to pass us by. Partiality or favoritism is not of God and it distorts the grace and mercy that we have received. I personally know that you do not want to be the person that comes into a church, a church, and is isolated. You don't want to be that single person that doesn't have any relationships because they're, the, the married people stick together. I know you don't. I know of your stories. I know of your stories, how, you, how you've come into congregations and, and, and weren't greeted or didn't have a community there. And just was kind of floating along. Where there was no accountability. Where there was no, no gentleness. Where there was no admonishing. How dare we allow that to happen to anyone. Any member in our midst. That's why the key isn't just loving your neighbor. The qualifier there is as yourself. So Love your neighbor as yourself. Please don't close your ears. Don't harden your hearts. We may not specifically have a rich people or poor people situation like earlier in the text. We may not have a communion issue of rich people coming beforehand and and eating before the poor people. But that does not mean for a second That we do not have partiality in one or even all of our hearts. 
Anything that makes us gravitate towards a certain church member while at the same time isolating us from another is exactly what this text would call partiality. And it's exactly what we would stand on God's word and say it's wicked. Okay, James. We get it. We get it. From, from, from 8 to 10, we understand it. This is wicked. Our hearts are broken now, but what do we actually do? Some of you may be asking that. Well, he has an answer. Let's look at verses 11 through 13. James says, so speak and so act as those who are being judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Before we look at how to speak and act mercifully, it's very important that we know exactly how we have the freedom to speak and act mercifully. I want you to know with certainty that there is no sin that we defeat or overcome that has not already been conquered by the work of Jesus Christ. It can be very easy to look at this scripture and focus on behavioral modification or our, our behavioral accomplishments. Like, oh, well, I did this and I didn't do that. And we can stick and, and get confused and, and all these different things. But we must remember why there is actually a law of liberty. There is not a law of liberty so that sin may abound. There is a law of liberty that tells us we are free because of Christ's work. If you are sitting here today and you do not have trust, you do not trust or have faith in Jesus Christ, you cannot produce this love. That's a strong statement, Richard. I know. So I'll qualify it with Galatians 5. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. This means that physical actions that may even be driven by passionate pursuits will not produce the love that fulfills the whole law. I'm going to say that again. This means that physical actions that may be driven by passionate pursuits, you may really be passionate about it, will not produce the love that fulfills the whole law. Friends, outside of Christ, we are condemned before a holy God with no sacrifice. We cannot produce any holy actions when our souls are wicked. In Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, we read that not only are we spiritually dead, we have wrath towards God and follow Satan. Those three conditions will not produce love your neighbor as yourself and please God. 
We need to believe that Jesus is our hope. The one who came and died on the cross for our sin, taking on our sins so that we will become the righteousness of God. That's where we put all of our faith. That's where we'll put our passionate pursuits. So that in liberty, we can act. And in this case, speak and act mercifully. Without this faith, works are empty and useless. We have no liberty whatsoever until the chains of sin and death have been removed by the blood of the only one worthy, Jesus Christ. So that's, we need Jesus to do this, if that wasn't clear. But you still have to question, and we still have an answer of what it is of of how we speak and act mercifully. I'm going to go back to Paul and I'm going to allow you to see what Paul shares in Galatians 5, 13 through 18. He says this, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. There it is again. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. First, we should do what Paul just told us to use. Our freedom. We must first realize that our liberties create opportunity to serve one another. We have been saved by grace. God has shown mercy on us. Therefore, we are free to love one another and to be merciful. Jesus even teaches in Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. The only thing in the way is the flesh, the flesh that Paul speaks of in verse 13 in Galatians. It wants to consume, not serve. But beloved, we've been given a new heart, a new nature that compels us. To love like our father does and freely do it. We are led by the spirit, not by the flesh. That may seem kind of like, okay, that still doesn't, still doesn't really tell us how to do it. Well, I'm sorry. James in this text does not explicitly tells us what to do outside of speak and act. But what we do know is that he's saying that in light of saying all of these things. He's saying, don't show partiality. So here are specific ways we can do it. We know that partiality is bad. It's wicked, right? So we should take our minds and our focus and our efforts and say, hmm, what does it look like to not show favoritism? Prayer. Really? (laughs) Yes. Prayer. We need our thoughts, emotions, actions to be intentional. And that starts with asking God for it. Jesus himself says in Luke 11, 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you. 
Let's ask. I don't know if I'm showing partiality or not. Well, let's pray that we're not. And speak and act mercifully. Another thing to do is, if you notice that you find yourself talking to the same people, talk to other members that you don't normally talk to. For us, that could seem like, well, Richard, we're, we're small. Like, we kind of talk to everybody. Sure, right now. You don't want to be dealing with an issue when you're in the issue. A beautiful thing about discipline and seeing God's word is God equips us to actually not do things and make issues. So if we have in our minds and in our hearts right now, I'm going to be the person to go talk to someone I would not normally talk to. I'm going to be the person to invite them to lunch or, or to my home. There you have it. You have the beauty of not running into this issue of showing partiality because you know you yourself would value those things. I've benefited greatly from all of your hospitality. Don't hesitate to share that with other members. When trusting that God will use you to speak and act mercifully, there can be many things that you can do and will eventually come to your mind. I, I just gave you two. And one, you could potentially say, well, that doesn't explicitly tell me what to do to another person. And that's okay. Because one thing that we see time and time again throughout Scripture is the Bible commands us to think and believe in certain ways. And when we think and believe in the ways that it calls us to, we then produce fruit. When we're led by the Spirit, we produce fruit. I want to share with you what Paul says in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. To begin building a mindset in us that would cause us to create merciful habits toward each other. And he says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. There's something. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all the things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Unity. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. We should have the word on our lips with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God, singing with each other. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God. The Father. We don't have to make these deterministic projects. What I mean by that is we don't have to sit and say, well, if I do A, B, and C like this, the sin of partiality won't happen. 
if you use worldly means or things outside of the scripture, you're probably going to fall on your face. And even if you succeed, is it actually success? God has given us very strict and explicit and even simple commands. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Ask the question, how do I want to be loved? And then do it. As I close, I hope you see, I hope we see that the sin of partiality, partiality is very divisive and it's very wicked. It's wicked because it, it breaks the whole law. Christ came to fulfill the law. And he brings the people to himself. And fulfills it and also says, you fulfill it by loving each other as yourself. If we do something that is not that, what should we expect? We should not expect to feel that we are doing well. We should not expect the law to be fulfilled. We know that loving our neighbors fulfills the law. And how beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? That in God's family, he compels his people to love who the world would say are unlovable. Or to dine with ones that the world says are to be shunned. Because of our redemption in Christ, we are free to love and serve Genuinely, mercifully. The Holy Spirit will lead us to act and speak as free people that are merciful. We cannot say that we want to devote ourselves to God's word and God's ways for the sake of God's mission. If we're showing partiality. It won't happen. We must be merciful. We must be merciful in our actions and in our words. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Let's pray together.